Creative Babble. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This is part four in the Pest series. By now, you know that this series is not for kids. Heck, it may not even be for most adults. If you are uneasy with graphic language, discussion of sexual assault, racism, you name it, this one is not for you. Even before I publicly released these episodes on my main feed, the Pests got a hold of the audio files and posted it on their forum. There were more than 700 replies commenting on my interview with Nikki Robinson and Patrick Tomlinson. Within a few days, the administrator of the ONA forums, who is known as Quasi 101, sent me an email. I've converted his written response to audio using voice-to-speech AI. So it's not his real voice. To whom it may concern, this is the current administrator of the ONA forums. I realize that by being anonymous you can't verify my identity yet. But you can email me and I can provide more verification as required. You list yourself as a journalist on your Twitter bio. I hope you take the title seriously. I'm inclined to give you the benefit of the doubt in not contacting me by assuming you weren't sure how to get in touch. To that effect, I'm reaching out now. Are you going to take your claim of journalist in earnest and hear both sides of the story? You've taken the word of a judgment debtor who is currently facing contempt for refusing lawful court orders at face value. You interviewed people on your podcast that accused me personally of serious crimes, with no evidence. As an aspiring journalist, do you think it would be unethical to allow unverifiable claims on your podcast without also allowing the other person any type of rebuttal? I trust you'll do the right thing here as, with all things considered, I have recognized your efforts to be unbiased. Regards, Admin. I responded, I would love to get your side of the story, just shoot me a rebuttal. And he wrote, Well, I'll be damned. I apologize for the original tone in my email if I came across a bit curt, so to speak. There have been several publications who have no interest in my perspective. You've stumbled onto an insane story here and it's complicated for someone following for years, let alone someone trying to give an unbiased perspective in 90 minutes. Unfortunately, I can't give any audio, though I hope to give my side in the future at some point. There are legal concerns as well as my own safety. I can provide an account facts backed by court documents and archived social media. You don't need to take my word for anything, and you shouldn't. I don't want to go down the route of going point by point through the podcast to refute points. I feel like that will be contentious and led to unnecessary conflict when you've shown magnanimity yourself. You've been fair so far. I'd like to extend that trust in this way. So I shot Quasi, the administrator of the site, a list of questions. My first question was, why do you keep operating the forum if you feel that your personal safety is at risk? Well, it's multifaceted. It's not just about my own safety, although that is a major component. I operate the forum because I believe it serves the function to preserve comedy that is taboo. There is artwork, parody songs, and content that would be lost. The threats of violence by Patrick Tomlinson pose a real risk. Currently, I am confident about my anonymity if that calculus changes that could potentially affect my ability to continue operating the site. Then I asked, are you or anyone else in your forum responsible for the swatting? I can understand why you'd ask this, but there's tricky phrasing here. The person answering is in a trap. If they answer indignantly, they seem defensive. If they answer too cavalierly, they come off as not caring. 
Imagine your boss asks you are you stealing from the company. The shift here is that there's any reason to believe you were stealing in the first place. If you answered your boss, what evidence do you have of that? Even if you were innocent of stealing, you come across to your boss as defensive. I wanted to point that out for context, but to be fair to you, I won't completely evade your question. There is no reason to believe anyone here is involved in any capacity. I've received no reports regarding discussions of this. There are rules in place to ban anyone encouraging this behavior. As for myself, I can say with certainty that I have never called the police or any agency to direct them to Patrick Tomlinson's house, his relatives, or his friends. I've never contacted him, his family, or his friends. I've never interacted with him in any way. I've never directed anyone to do that. Any mention of doing anything of the sort is swiftly banned. I asked Quasi, how can he be so sure that no one in his online community is responsible for the swatting? This seems to be a more nuanced question about certainty. To answer the question, there's an assumption of how we use the word certainty. How certain are you that you locked your door when you didn't forget anything at the supermarket? You've created the list, double-checked it, thought about the last time you forgot something, and taken into account why that happened. Consider a parent who is leaving their child home by themselves for the first time. You've laid down the rules and explained the punishment. You come home and see no evidence of anything wrong. Are you sure they didn't have 80 seconds to party and refilled your grandma's urn from the fire pit outside before you came home? No, but you don't have any reason to think otherwise. I asked, what would it take for this feud with Patrick Tomlinson to stop? Here's what Quasi had to say about that. I see why you would think that, but your question frames this situation as being a feud. There isn't one. I set up a comedy web forum. I'm running a lawful website. He defaulted on a payment, refused to pay a court-ordered judgment, and may be held in contempt at the end of August. To answer your question, there's nothing to end. He pays his court-ordered debt and I run my website for as long as I have the time and inclination to do so. Quasi is referring to the fact that Patrick Tomlinson lost the case against Quasi and was court-ordered to pay his legal fees. As of this recording, Patrick Tomlinson hasn't made a single payment. And if he continues to refuse, he could face additional financial penalties and could even go to jail. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. 
It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. I've been in touch with several observers of the ONA forums. They point to several instances where Patrick has made threats to hurt people with his gun, threats to rape someone's mom. They told me that Pat is a serious asshole and is probably responsible for swatting himself. They even sent me security footage of someone spraying graffiti on Patrick Tomlinson's motorcycle. They tell me, look at the video. It's clearly Patrick doing it. Almost all of these people who post on the Opie and Anthony form are anonymous. All except for one. His name is Daniel Mullen, and he goes by the online alias Somerville Dan. Patrick Tomlinson says, and I quote, that Dan Mullen is among the most obsessed criminals. Unlike most of the pests, Dan is very much out in the open. He even hosts his own podcast where he devotes a copious amount of time to mocking Patrick Tomlinson. Now, let's be clear Dan is not a spokesperson for the group. In fact, he himself has been banned from posting on the ONA forum. So I hopped on a call to get his side of the story. Yeah. So, you know, I was a fan of the Opie and Anthony show back in the 1990s. Yeah. I was a member of the, the Reddit forum back when it was the R. Opie and Anthony forum. And really, it was like one of the funniest places on the internet. There's all these jokes and characters. And the interesting thing to follow was as the show, the Opie and Anthony show kind of went downward, it kind of was on this denouement, people started turning against the show and making fun of the the hosts and making fun of the, the guests and picking at, you know, making memes and jokes about it. So it really became less of a fan Reddit, subreddit, and more of a just nasty jokes, you know, things like a stand-up comedian would do when they're roasting someone, like a big roast session. You have these anonymous folks on this forum Really, they they have they are fixated on Patrick Tomlinson and everybody in his orbit, and they enjoy the torture that Patrick Tomlinson has experienced. Would would you agree with that? Or um, to an extent, um, I, I don't know that it's so much enjoying the torment. I think it's just the the getting the reaction. It's like a real life Truman Show where you've got this avatar. I know you mentioned on a previous podcast, Patrick like almost represents almost like a caricature of like this online Democratic Party kind of, you know, person who parrots all the talking points. It's like right out of central castings. It it feels like a character, like it almost feels like he's not real. These people that text him or tweet him, and and I'm not going to condone that necessarily, but you text him and then he responds right away. And he has like copy paste responses. He says, you're going to prison. He has these funny little, you know, things that he says. I mean, it's it's like you're, it's like a game, really. If he had just, and he could still do this too, by the way. If he would just stop responding and stop feeding off of that negative energy, then we wouldn't be talking right now. But he 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 is for whatever reason, and I'm not a psychologist. I don't want to play that game. But for whatever reason, he just can't let it go. And he keeps kicking the hornet's nest. But you would admit that this forum 
has doxed people. This forum has some of the members have possibly contacted Tomlinson directly. I mean, would you agree that that it has gone from a joke to like posting personal information online and contacting him and maybe even physically being in the same vicinity as him? I, I, there's definitely a line, um, you know, and I myself may have crossed it on, you know, in kind of some of the instigating with Patrick myself. So I, I'll take a little bit of the blame. There needs to be a separation between the texting and the tweeting, the pranks and the swatting. I've seen an overwhelming amount of folks posting that they find this hysterical, except for the swatting. I would say th there are very few topics that these people on the forum agree on universally. I would say to a man, the condemnation of the swatting is probably the most universally held belief of anyone. I don't think you'll find maybe, maybe one or two people, and they would probably be you know, talked down to, that find it funny or acceptable in any way, shape, or form. It's unfortunate, the swatting, because you know that, that makes it seem like, okay, there's a criminal thing going on here. Whereas really, the, there's two rules that I think most of these rascals, I like to call them, abide by. It's like, be funny and do it within the realms of you're not like breaking the law. And swatting is neither of those. Swatting, it's not funny and it's, and it's criminal. I'm 99.9% .9 sure that it's not, the swatting is not directly related to the ONA forums people. Yes, they have done awful things. They've texted pictures to Nikki and her mom and Pat and things like that. You know, you can argue those things, the, you know, the morality or the, the, whether that's right or wrong, but the swatting I think is where the line gets drawn. And, I, and I'm supremely confident it's, it did not come from the ONA forums people. Well, but I have seen, and I, I should go back and look at this, but I've seen people like salivating for body cam footage, like waiting for the, they, oh, they want to see Pat's reaction when he, they pull him out of his house and at gunpoint and stuff like that. I mean, th there are people that genuinely enjoy that there, right? You know, one of the questions you asked, have you requested the body cam footage? And I have, I've actually requested it with the Milwaukee Police Department because you know, maybe there's a, an entertainment or a kind of a, a gawking factor of it, right? You know, you see something on the side of the road, you want to see what it looks like. Um, but they're also, I, I mean, I would love nothing more than to have whoever's responsible be brought to justice and, you know, getting the information out there. Yeah. Maybe we can make a, a, a joke if he's like on his porch and it's, it, you know, it looks unfortunate, but at the end of the day, I think we all would love to see it, it end. Yeah, and so so if it's not anyone on the ONA forum, then who's doing this? I mean, we did mention tour swats, but like, who's making these orders? I mean, that's the that's the million dollar question. Now, I will say it, it only takes about ten minutes to go onto Patrick's Twitter account and see how he talks to strangers. He creates enemies. He he jokes that he prides himself on getting on fights online and and being a provocateur. There's hundreds of people that know about him. So um, it could, you know, it could really be anyone. And then, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there and it's the one thing you can't rule out. There's the chance that he could be doing it himself because he, he's a, a person that likes getting attention. And he also can kind of kill two birds with one stone by saying, okay, here are these people that make fun of me. I mean, I listened to your interview with him. He doesn't even open up the potential that it could be anyone but us. Uh, he doesn't even talk about the culpability really of the person doing it. 
or the fact that it could be someone else. He just assumptively puts it on us for, you know, I don't know why he's so sure of that because there's really no direct evidence other than the fact that people kind of, you know, make fun yeah, of him. Yeah, but online. I mean, come on. If, if there was a whole online forum devoted to busting my balls every day and sending, you know, disgusting pictures to my wife and her family and, and this and that and, I mean, wouldn't that be an obvious conclusion? Whoever's swatting me, De- they definitely probably- would be a suspect. Absolutely. When they say they don't support the swattings, they are lying. These people are pathological, compulsive liars. They are manipulative, and they are covering their asses because they know that if they go on there on that site, because that site's still public, uh, unbelievably so. I mean, the FBI is watching all this. If they go on there and say, "Yes, I love swattings," well, guess what's going to be at their fucking door. Like that's the fastest way to shut down that website, and they all know it. So no, they don't just they don't just love the swattings. They are doing the swattings. One of at least one of them is. We don't have anybody else obsessing over. Yeah, who else would do this to us? It's them. It's only always been them. Dan Mullen insists that this could easily end if Patrick stopped his media blitz and stopped responding to every message and every tweet. I think he enjoys the attention. I don't think he likes the way he's getting the attention, but I think he likes the attention. I think if we stopped, if people in general stopped bugging him daily like this, I think he would miss it in some ways because I think he it gives him a purpose and an attention that he can't find through other avenues. But is it really that simple? Well, why Nikki? Why why Nikki? Why get her involved in all this when she doesn't respond? She doesn't engage. You know what I mean? Like, why why is she tangled up in this whole mess? You know, I, I find Nikki to be a very sympathetic character. I think she's married to someone who is a little bit on the narcissistic side and may have some other issues that he's dealing with. And she's kind of along for the ride. I don't think people engage too much directly with her. I think people have kind of poked fun at her online, you know, related to Patrick. You don't think that they've contacted her business customers, try to make her, her professional life a living hell. I mean, the way she described it. Uh, some, some people have done that. Yeah. I think people left comments on like the Google thing or whatever. Most of the attention is focused on Patrick. Patrick and Nikki disagree. They've impersonated me. They've harassed me. They've done the contact form thing. They harassed my mother. They threatened to swat me. They threatened to rape me. I, If I'm a sympathetic character, they are terrible at being sympathetic. That's pretty illustrative. I mean, Dan himself attacks Nikki's business constantly. Like He sends messages through her contact form threatening her, threatening more bad reviews. Yeah, I mean, I've pretty much identified that Dan is one of the main people that harasses me. <laughs> you know, he's... He's one of the ones who in, um, who impersonates Nikki's mother on the, all these contact forms. You know, Dan, Dan is a liar. Dan is a manipulative sociopath. And he has attacked her. He's, in fact, he may have gone after her more than he's gone directly after me. Legally, none of this matters because Patrick and Nikki tried to sue Quasi, the forum administrator, and 60 anonymous users of the site and lost in court. And as a result, Patrick and Nikki have to pay the prevailing party's attorney fees, which are around $50,000. In the previous episode, Patrick gave me the impression that he was going to repay the debt in monthly installments. But so far, Patrick and Nikki are refusing to pay. So what changed? I asked Patrick about this decision through text and he told me it's not a choice. We don't have $50,000. So I'm going to jail for not having enough money to pay a ransom to terrorists. 
More about this after the break. Here's what I don't understand. I get it. Nikki and Patrick have been through hell. I can't even imagine living one day in their life, let alone having to deal with this day in and day out for five years. I have tremendous sympathy for them. And I understand why they tried to sue those who they believe are attacking them. They took a risk and they lost. Now, a court has ordered them to pay the other party's legal fees. And whether they agree with the court's decision or even the law for that matter, they are on the hook for this money. So why refuse to pay? What's the strategy here? I mean, if he doesn't pay, he could be found in contempt of court and could end up in jail. Here is Dan Mullen again. So as you probably know, Patrick sued the ONA forums. He sued 60 John Doe's, including the administrator of the forum. And Were you, you know, included was, in that, by the way? Um, I was named as one of the John Doe's of okay. a tweet that I made that was okay. pretty innocuous that I would not say was defamation, but yes. So at the time, uh, you know, I, I, you're probably going to ask, was it, is it personal, this with Patrick? At the time it was because I thought I was going to have to get a lawyer and I was going to have to go to court over a tweet that I made. And the biggest mistake that he made in the lawsuit was his fixation on going after the admin of the site, uh, quasi 101 or whatever name you want to use for him. And he named him John Doe One. And they basically focused on going after him primarily, thinking that he would just give up information about the users, whether it be IP addresses, email addresses, and then he could they could use that information to individually sue people for the comments that they made. But as we know, the judge honored the motion to quash the subpoena and ordered Patrick Tomlinson to pay the other side's legal fees. And then Patrick would go online and say, I'm not paying my, you know, he'd go on podcasts, he'd say, I'm not going to pay my harassers. And he fought it and fought it and fought it. So then fast forward two years or two and a half years later, he still hasn't paid any of it. Here's the thing. Both Patrick and Nikki signed a legal document under oath promising to pay back the debt gradually under a repayment plan. The payments are made to the trustee, who then pays back the other party's attorneys. Now, legally, he's in a situation where he's really in a corner and there's, there's really no easy way out other than, you know, paying. If I was him, I'd show up with a certified check and start paying right, right then. Otherwise, um, you know, it, it's, it's kind of uncertain where it goes. So I asked Patrick about this. The first time we talked, you and Nikki were talking about being on this subscription payment plan, you know, where, where you had to pay the legal fees of the opposing party and you were going to be on this subscription plan. But sometime between the, our last conversation, it seems like things changed or maybe you have uh, like a different strategy. Well, we're not going to discuss our legal strategy because that's still evolving here. Um, but yeah, things, things changed. Um, basically, we decided amongst ourselves that we're not going to pay a ransom to the terrorists who are trying to kill us. Didn't you guys sign a debt agreement promising to repay for the next three years a monthly payment of 1047 a month? Yes, we did. And so I know you didn't want to discuss legal strategy, but that's court ordered. 
I mean, you lost. What's happening to you is terrible, right? But like when it boils down to like a court decision, this is this is not optional, right? Like you were court ordered to do it. You signed it. So like why? The, the, the judgment is court ordered, but the, you know, the, the, um, the payment plan, the payment was, our plan idea. was our idea. And we just decided not to go through with it. And then we decided after thinking about it that, no, we're going to keep fighting this. But the time for fighting this seems to be over. I asked Patrick and Nikki if they ever appealed the court's decision. But the other thing that we were not informed of was our rights to appeal and like the windows to appeal, which we absolutely would have done had we, you know, had we been properly informed of our rights. So how, what would you have done differently now knowing that it didn't pan out? What would you have done differently? Well, you know, it's, it's hard to say because we like we're we're both law abiding citizens. So we just relied on the advice of our lawyers as they as they worked their way through the process. Now, you know, looking back, they stepped on some landmines and would a different strategy of have uh, been much more beneficial and, and less risky for us? Yeah. Yeah, of course it would have been. But there was no way for us to know that ahead of time. Let me ask you about those landmines. Were you given legal advice warning you that this could go south, that, you know, no. you would be the risk that you were taking was that you would have to pay their attorney's fees? I mean, no, it no, was, we would have never gotten involved in this if we knew that this was a risk. But you didn't know that was a possibility. No, we didn't know that was a possibility. I mean, we we're not done fighting this and we aren't in contempt. We're, we simply aren't. You know, the the filing that that their lawyers put in, you know, for a motion of contempt is again, filled with lies. It is, it's simply, most of it is simply untrue. And the, the evidence, the evidence that they, they placed in wasn't evidence of us doing anything wrong. It was in fact, evidence of their continued ongoing obsessive harassment campaign. They do not have a leg to stand on here. So what happens on later on this month when, when you have to appear in front of court, like what, what do you expect is going to happen? We expect we're going to tell our side of the story, which is the only side of the story, by the way. That's it. Let's say you choose not to pay and you are ultimately found in contempt of court and you go to jail for this or whatever, or get fines. That doesn't relieve you from the original court order to pay. The original court order is illegitimate and we will not pay the people who have made multiple attempts on our lives. It's obscene. We are going to continue fighting this. As you can see, this is coming to a head. Five years of escalating battles between the pests and Patrick Tomlinson has led us to this point. I asked Quasi, the forum administrator, now that Tomlinson is potentially facing jail time over this ordeal, what happens next? Here's what he had to say. This seems to assume that there is a choice from my perspective. I continue to run my website. As for Tomlinson, regarding his legal woes, his attorney would likely be the best person to ask about the path forward. Here's Dan Mullen again. And do you think that he either pays Quasi, the, the site administrator, or he goes to prison, or both, or whatever, does this end the feud? Is that enough for the pest to claim victory or 
or does it go on? If if he stopped and is if he stopped fighting and he pay and he paid off the debt, then I think people would leave him alone. I, I really do think that. You really I, I know think some, that? You really think that? I, I mean, I think there would still be some people. I mean, I, I think at this point, you know, the it's kind of reached a critical mass where there's always going to be people that are going to be making fun of him online. What he needs to do is not go on those websites and and read every comment made about him. Uh, he needs to probably. I mean, if I was him and or giving advice that he would listen to, I would say maybe you stop tweeting for a few months or maybe you stop responding to tweets and you, or texts and you just block everyone and don't engage and just shut it down. But I mean, he's you, saying you probably- he's getting daily calls and daily text messages from people on the group. So it's not like he could just shut but, it but off. He, but in five years, in five years, he's never, he's never tried to, to just not, not respond or not engage. He always responds. And I, I think that it just, he's just, he's a very stubborn person. And, and I think, and he just feels like he has to set the record straight somehow. And it's true. It seems like Patrick Tomlinson can't resist responding to these harassing messages. Every time someone sends him a message, he responds with the same canned answer. Quote, your life is already over, stalker. Enjoy prison. Every single message. Just read his Twitter feed. The Pest even interviewed Patrick Tomlinson for several hours, posing as a Huffington Post reporter. Hey, Patrick, I think I lost you there. What's up? Yes, sorry about that. I was coming in and out of a building that has a bunch of bunch of steel in it. Okay, I was just going to say that I uh, spoke with my supervisor about um, getting in contact with you. Um, she says that you're a fat faggot with bitch tits, so we're going to have to cancel oh. the article. Oh, well, the thing, the problem with that, sweetie, is that we already figured that out. You already figured out that you're a fat faggot with bitch tits? At this point, most of us would hang up the call, but no, not Patrick. Patrick decides that it's a good idea to continue engaging with this prankster for another 20 minutes. You stupid little piece of shit. You have nothing to say today. You're fat. I am speaking to you now. Fuck yourself, nigga. Good boy. Good boy. You actually managed to shut your fucking mouth for a couple of seconds. Oh, you didn't hear that? Work on that. You should Fuck yourself, that, nigger. Charlie. You should do that all the time, Charlie. Even the prankster doesn't understand why Patrick keeps responding. Mentally healthy people don't act out the way you do. Mentally healthy people don't pretend Dude. to be journalists. Mentally you, healthy mentally people healthy wouldn't react like this to a prank call, you fat faggot. Fucking mouth, child. I'm kind of surprised at the fact that you respond to every single message, every single tweet. And and you have these like formulaic responses, but why are you responding? Not I just because stalker one oh one. You don't like you don't respond to the stalker. Like why? Because they don't get to set the narrative. They don't get to go out here and tell lies about us every day and try and ruin our reputations. No. But isn't that rewarding them? The, no. These people are obsessed no. with you. Yes, they're obsessed with you. Yeah, them. but responding to people isn't illegal. And telling people to fuck no. off is not illegal. Oh, no, it's not illegal. But is it smart? Like, wouldn't yes, you? It is. Like, have it's you it's ever it. taken a hiatus in responding? Like, have you ever tried that? Javier, this is not trolling. We really need this to get across to your, to your listeners too. These people are not trolls. 
don't feed the trolls does not apply to our situation. It's actually very bad advice. Just like the people that just tell us to up and move or, you know, change our phone numbers. This is, this is all bad advice for this situation. Okay. But have you tried it? Yes, we have. Okay. Well, the first thing that they did to us, the first thing that they did to me was mass false report my Twitter account. I was off of, I was permanently suspended for Twitter for 11 months back in 2018 and 2019. I literally could not respond to them. What did they do? They created dozens and dozens of impersonation accounts so that they could go out on Twitter and try and bring in my followers, tricking them into thinking that what they, that they were actually me so that they could then go on these tirades of sexual harassment and racism and homophobia. No, ignoring them does not work. They don't just move on. These aren't trolls. This is a dedicated criminal cyber stalking community. Ignoring them has no effect. We've tried ignoring them for weeks and sometimes months at a time. And what do they do? They double they and triple down. Nuts. They go bonkers and they start attacking other people in our orbit and attacking our families. No, not responding does not work. This whole thing is so juvenile. It's like a schoolyard fight that's gone on for five years. The pests insist that they mock Patrick because he's violent and he was once arrested for threatening to kill his pregnant wife. They hang on this police report as their motivation for going after Tomlinson. I, I, I had to do like a double take because you, obviously you read it. I was shocked. And I knew that once I shared that, that was kind of a game changer. It kind of puts Patrick in a whole different light. Now, I will say that is not to, um, you know, make an excuse for things that people have done. And I don't want to like retcon everything because I only yeah. got this, you know, like in the last year. So this that's is, this what, was, so that's what I'm, that's where I'm getting at because it's like a lot of people on the forum, they use this report as a reason like, Hey, we don't like this guy and this is why, but you just recently discovered that, right? So it's like you're retroactively justifying the harassment, right? Correct. I think I think in some ways people, okay, well, now this justifies everything that we did because he's a, a bad person. And, you know, now you did it 10 years ago. You could even say like, hey, at what point do you just, you know, people, you let things go. But I, I think it also, when you read it, I think it speaks to the character things. I, I, I could never imagine doing that. Anyway, to your point, yes, it, it 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 came out just recently in the last year. So some people will say, okay, well, that makes it okay that everything will be done. But I think, you know, I, I don't think that that's a fair representation because people were doing that just when they thought he was just a, you know, a, a, a lull cow, as people say, like a, a, a person online who is just kind of a, you know, a, a colorful character. Do you believe that Patrick Tomlinson is a pedophile or associates himself with pedophiles no no i i I think that's that's one of those things where people are just i mean they're i know you interviewed his friend eric hildeman the sci-fi guy and i think some people like to you know paint the dots that oh he's in the sci-fi writers association and sci-fi has these problems as you astutely pointed out you could say the same thing about the catholic church i'm catholic Maybe there is some institutional issue that needs to be worked out, but you can't paint everybody with that brush. That's not fair. So no, I don't think that he's a pedophile. I, I think anyone that does that, that's more of a, like they're trying to get a rise out of him or something like that. 
So it's really not the pedophilia. It's not the, the police report in itself. At the end of the day, it really just boils down to that. Patrick Tomlinson is just an easy target, right, for, for this group. Yeah, I, I think he feeds the feeds the beast, so to speak. You know, he the, the the key thing that he does is he responds every time. He's physically incapable. Once again, I don't know the reason, but he can't go a day without tweeting or responding. Patrick sort of filled this void, this vacuum of a character that's loosely related, but not really. Uh, just somebody that they found online. And I know the original sin or the initial contact was that Norm McDonald tweet, which, okay, that's <laughs> silly. Like five years of going back and forth over a Norm McDonald tweet. Nobody likes Norm McDonald that much. Not even Norm No, McDonald, but guy. I will say people do like Norm McDonald on the board. So I people were a little McDonald's insulted guy. that, that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but really it wasn't the tweet. It was the responses to the tweet. Right. So like, for instance, someone responded and said, I'm sorry, who are you? Excuse me. Who are you? And Patrick responded to this person. And this was the tweet that got posted on the ONA forums board. Patrick responded to the person, I'm someone with 10,000 more followers than you. So my, my, my thoughts are more important than you or something along those. This very like haughty kind of arrogant, smug response. Smug is the word that I would get. He has this smugness to him that is very off-putting that makes him a natural target of derision. And then he went on the board. He instigated people. He filed... DMCA claims, you could say rightly or wrongly. And then the message board got taken down and people were like, okay, well, he wants to keep fighting with us. All right, well, we'll keep fighting back with him. And and that's it's kind of been that it's just kind of snow. Two stubborn right? groups that just won't nobody would back down. Patrick sued the 60 John Doe's in order to reveal their identities. But there's one John Doe whose identity has always been publicly known, and that is Dan Mullen. And you mentioned Dan Mullen by name and that you felt pretty confident that, that, that that's his true identity, A, because he, he's publicly out there all the time. But why didn't you name him in the lawsuit? If, you knew, if that was the whole purpose of the, of the lawsuit was to identify these people and you actually knew his identity, why didn't you name him publicly? We, we didn't. I mean, we had heard Dan Mullen's name at that point, but we weren't certain of his identity at that point. They were already framing innocent people, trying to get us to go after them instead of instead of the real people. And so, at the time, you know, we we didn't know. We thought we thought that uh, Daniel Mullen could very easily be one of these psyops. You know, just an innocent guy whose identity had been stolen by these people. But that was three years ago. So, no, Dan Mullen is is the real thing, um, and he's crazy. He is dangerously crazy. This is the guy who last October flew from from Boston to here in Milwaukee so that he could take spy shots of me while hiding behind a truck across the street from our house. He then filmed our house from the sidewalk and went back and, and put you know footage of our house up on YouTube set to the song, Somebody's Watching Me. Patrick and Nikki say that Dan Mullen even replicated Patrick and Nikki's vacation photos. That was yeah, that was him in Munich, Germany. Those were pictures from our honeymoon. Yeah, Munich. And like we managed to find our hotel. We stayed in this like specific hotel and they found it just based on the pictures. They found the restaurant. Well, the restaurant name was in the pictures, but yeah, they went and did a little tour of Munich to recreate what we did on our honeymoon. From 2017, he went to another country to recreate 
our, 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 some of our honeymoon photos. The man's insane. I've never been contacted by law enforcement and I, my name is out there um, and I've engaged with Patrick. Uh, I know some other people as well. They've never been in, you know, I would have figured if, you know, someone, you know, in the FBI or the Milwaukee Police Department had questions, I would be happy to answer them. Um, I've got nothing to hide and I, and I would love them to get to the bottom of it. All right. So some of the feedback that I have received and I haven't received a whole lot, right? was that, and you know, that my listeners were horrified, obviously, naturally, by what both of you have experienced. I mean, horrified. They can't even fathom that, that this is going on. But some of my regular listeners have been, like, disgusted by the approach that you had towards law enforcement. Never come to this house again. You personally, you personally never come to this house again. You personally. Never. They couldn't believe that, that despite your frustration that is very valid, they couldn't believe that it escalated to that point. Here, 27 times, four times today. Come on. Try to have a better day, sir. Fuck you. Well, once your listeners have had their home swatted seven times in 36 hours and assault rifles pointed at them repeatedly, like half a dozen times or more, then they can be in a position to explain to me how I should react to the police when they yet again come out to our home acting on behalf of the people who are trying to kill us. I'm sorry. I'm a human being. I have emotions and my frustrations have got boiled over. I mean, the, the video that you were, re- you were, you were referencing where I was in a verbal altercation with the police, that was the fourth time that day we'd been swatted. Four times we were swatted at 7 a.m. We were swatted again at 11. We were swatted at one. My elderly parents who lived two hours away were swatted uh, at like noon that day. And then at 9 p.m. at night while my wife is home alone, they come for the fourth time that day and the 27th time total after this has been going on for nine months. And again, they break out assault rifles and are pointing them at us. It's unacceptable. And the fact that I lost my cool, it just reflects the fact that, again, this was the 27th time. It was the fourth time that day. And if your listeners who are want to, uh, you know, criticize my reactions to the police terrorizing us, then they have more patience than I do. And good for them. I get it? Sir, yeah. you do not get to talk like this. Yes, I do. This is the 27th time. The video which you're listening to right now aired on a news piece about the Tomlinson saga. It shows Patrick surrounded by officers as they're trying to cuff him. No. Put your hands behind your back. That's enough. The video was shot from a distance at night, so it's a little hard to tell exactly what's happening. Patrick appears to pull his arm away in order to prevent the officers from restraining him. His arm flew up in the air, and many of the pests believe that Patrick was swinging at the officer. Right now, if you get all of your fucking hands off of me, relax. Get relax. all of your fucking hands off One of the comments that we've seen on the video where Patrick walks up on the sidewalk and starts yelling at the police, one of the comments is that, you know, you can only talk to the police that way because of the color of your skin. And I just want to point out that I completely agree with that. 
And the reason that I'm bringing this up is because it should be a point of note that people who are white should talk to the police if they are doing something wrong and should be able to voice that. I mean, all people should, but if we're going to use white privilege in the, for this, it's going to be to tell the cops to fucking settle down. <laughs> so you're basically saying you acknowledge that you have that privilege because like somebody of color yes. couldn't yes, get away. I mean, could, could end up dying for absolutely. standing yeah. up to the police. Absolutely. There's, there's, no, there's no question about that. Um, but you're you know, saying in this case that you're exercising it because that's a tool that you have at your disposal. Because right? who else is going to be able to stand up to the cops like that? So people are saying, I, I tried to punch one of the cops. I didn't try to punch one of the cops. I got my arm out of the way of one of the cops trying to grab my wrist. I didn't swing on one of the cops. I wasn't violent with them. Was I loud and angry? Yeah, you're damn right I was. Patrick and Nikki told me that it's been a month since their last swatting. And their relationship with the Milwaukee police has improved. They even have a direct line to call in case they have a legitimate emergency. So, how does this end? I honestly have no idea. It may never end. Who knows? I promise that this will be the last episode on this topic. This whole thing is ridiculous. And I'm sure that we've all lost brain cells trying to understand it. Patrick may actually end up going to jail over this. If he does, I'll tweet about it. But this is it for me. It's time for some other news outlet to pick up the baton. Here's Dan Mullen one last time. I wouldn't expect your audience to be sympathetic to, to any of these forum people or the things that they say or they do or how they've engaged with Patrick. I wouldn't expect it. And I would expect them to probably be more sympathetic to, to Nikki and Patrick. However, I think the more you kind of peel the onion back, I think it's a, it's a little bit more of a level playing field than maybe it first, uh, first appears. I don't even know how you guys do it. Like, I really don't know how, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you stay together. I don't know how you haven't been driven mad. Well, we're certainly not in peak mental health. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it would, be, it would be impossible to go through an experience like this and not and not be, you know, and not be changed and touched by it. I mean, we we both exhibit symptoms of CPTSD at this point. You know, we don't sleep as well as we should. Uh, I probably drink more than I should, but it's not. We don't we don't have the choice. You know, it's it's us or them, and we're not going to be the ones who who end up losing our lives over this. Next time on Pretend, we are switching it up, something a little bit more cheery, like how to commit fraud. <laughs> I am talking with a master pickpocket. This is a guy who's actually pickpocketed King Charles and got away with it, but he doesn't use his powers for evil. In fact, this pickpocket is going to teach you how to protect yourself, not from pickpockets in the street who are trying to nab your purse or your wallet. He's going to teach you how to protect yourself from digital pickpocketers who are using technology to rip you off. That's next time on Pretend.
All right. I wanted to give you a quick update on the stalker series. You know, the state of Arizona versus Tanya Fernandez and Rick Fernandez. Well, the trial was supposed to start September 5th. And, you know, by all accounts, it was supposed to be a very quick trial. You know, a lot of these cases don't even make it to court. So I'm surprised that it even made it this far. But as we know, anything could happen and anything did happen. Tanya and Rick Fernandez could have taken a plea deal, which so far they have not. Instead, they have decided to double down. The Fernandez's defense attorneys filed a motion to designate this trial as complex. It's a way of extending the case because the attorneys felt that they did not have a sufficient amount of time to go over all the evidence and interview all the expert witnesses. In other words, they're treating this case like they would treat a murder case where they have to study forensics and DNA. Yeah. The defense argued that there is so much to talk about in this case that it cannot be resolved within normal times. They point to the number of charges. The defendants are charged each with computer tampering, which is a class 5 felony, and two counts of aggravated harassment, which is a class 6 felony. Now, for just to give you a point of reference, class 1 felony being the worst and class 6 being the, the least serious offense, they are both facing class 5 and class 6. That's why I found it a little surprising that this case has now been elevated to a complex case. The defense also argues that that this case involves police investigations that, that span five years in at least three different law enforcement agencies and will involve complex evidence regarding computer forensics. They also note that expert testimony will be required. Plus, they say they need more time just from the number of witnesses that they're planning to call. The state alone has 17 officers, experts, civilian witnesses, and that list of witnesses is still growing. The defense said that they have multiple witnesses as well, but they did not list the exact number. The state and the deputy county attorney had no objections to this motion. So now the new date is on October 6th of this year of 2023. Will that date change again? Maybe, maybe not. Either way, I will keep an eye on it. All right, before we go, I want to let you know that the new season of Criminal Conduct is out now. Season four, Getting Away with Murder. And it is a season that John Taylor and I have been working on since season one, really. We've been talking about this season. It was supposed to be our first season. And I'm so glad that we finally got to do it. This is a case that's very important to us. And it is just crazy. I'm, I'm going to tell you how it ends. And trust me, I am not spoiling anything. But basically... A jury convicts a man of first-degree felony murder, okay? And then, right when the convicted killer was going to be sentenced, the judge overturned the jury's verdict. I personally didn't even know this was possible. And that's how the podcast begins. We try to peel back the layers and figure out what went wrong. So if you like to get really deep into a case and you love investigative journalism, you're going to love Criminal Conduct. There's nine episodes. The first one is out right now on Criminal Conduct. So if you haven't subscribed, subscribe to Criminal Conduct. But if you want to binge the entire series, we actually produced the entire series before we released it so that if you want to binge it, because I know a lot of you guys love to binge, Criminal Conduct will be available for Pretend Patreon supporters, but it is available right now on Pretend Plus. In fact, if you are a subscriber of Pretend Plus, not only do you get Pretend 
ad free and before anybody else, plus all the bonus content, you also get access to criminal conduct too. So you could binge the entire series. So one price and you could binge criminal conduct, pretend and my newest podcast, the Ponzi playbook. But if you could wait, Criminal Conduct will be released weekly every Friday. So episode one is out right now. We'll release it every week until October. And it's it's a fascinating case. We're going to try to do more Criminal Conduct, at least more than one case a year. All right. Well, that's all I have for this week. We'll talk soon. Creative Power.